Dr. Michael Barrett, thank you for talking to Judge Business School Centre for India and Global Business podcast series today. Just tell me how important you think it is, the setting up of a Centre for India and Global Business at Judge Business School. I think it couldn't be any more timely, to be honest, because what we're seeing today is not only what is common in the press of so much business and development of um, offshoring and outsourcing relationships to India, but the, the importance that, that India is showing in its own right as developing a number of very large uh, multinationals uh, in India, which therefore requires a better understanding both of the, of the West for um, what India is as a market, but also to start to work effectively in a collaboration with these large multinationals. So there's, if you like, Bonnie, a sense of uh, understanding um, where is it, what is it that India offers as, as a lot of brain power and a, a very large market, but also a way in which to collaborate with emerging multinationals in India to, to, to if you like, develop uh, new relationships and um, the ability to uh, work together in new ways. Because others have commented on the new centre as being about a reciprocal arrangement yes. between Cambridge and between India, particularly at a troubled time mm. with mm. recession, depression in mm. the global economy. How much knowledge do you think judge can contribute mm. to the Indian economy at the moment? Well, the judge uh, you know, is a, a small but I think an important um, place because we can play an effective mediating role to really help that knowledge exchange between Western companies and Indian firms and also at the, the government and policy level. Um, we can pl provide that forum, if you like, for the exchange of ideas. We can um, work with and target our, our research to develop knowledge about what's happening in India to discuss with uh, Western companies here in the UK and in other parts of, of the globe. And as I say, provide also a meeting point for good global thought leadership on issues to do with India and Indian business. You talked about thought leadership, but you, Dr. Michael Barrett, have a great deal of knowledge about knowledge networks and innovation. Can you tell me what your research on India shows? Yes, the, to step back and say, well, a lot of the issues and the important thing about knowledge networks is to recognize that in a global eco uh, knowledge economy and, and with increasing competition and globalization, there is a, a definite need for firms to be open, more porous in the boundaries of the firm, to be able to connect with and work with companies and organizations across the world. And this is where India plays a, a key role. Because though if you go back 10 years ago, you will have seen firms at that time st uh, starting to look at how can we get low-cost, low-arbitrage labor to help feed into maybe one or two processes, whether it's IT uh, development or uh, helping out with small call centers? That world has shifted. The world now is about innovation, about working together, about not only requiring these vendor contract or vendor client relationships, but ones in which really true trusted partnership must evolve if there's going to be good collaborative innovation. 
And how do you see those partnerships evolving? Because you've already described a changing and innovating Indian economy. Yes. With some difficulty, to be honest, I think there's a huge transition in making that leap. If you think about it, for 10 years or so, companies have operated in a particular way, looking at firms to provide small parts of the competences and expertise, and now to embrace them as true partners to work together and develop new services and products really requires a, a big change in the organizational form and in the, the contracting around the relationship. And this is not easy for many firms, despite their real desire and willingness to do so, because there are a lot of issues such as building trust, legitimacy of the relationship. Do these firms really bring to the table what the firm thinks is added value enough to call them partners, to, to share the risks, to share the rewards? Um, and therefore moving away to a much more collaborative, maybe even a joint venture relationship, whereas before it's been very much a strict sort of time and materials contract. Also, because we are in this global recession, mm -hmm. confidence might be a factor. India's been very confident, hasn't it? Whether it's with Bollywood or anything yes, else, yes. it's innovated and done. It's been seen to succeed. Yes. Now, now, might that confidence now slip away? I think it's an excellent point. I, I was in Bangalore 10 years ago uh, at the start of seeing a lot of the offshoring business and then returned last year. The amazing confidence that you see in the business environment, in the ability of these very large and uh, uh, successful multinational firms to, to, to engender within a, an Indian society the desire to, to, to not only look at Western firms as a source of good experience and, and, and knowledge, but also to these emerging Indian multinationals. There's a strong confidence, as you say, in, in how, despite the recession, there is a, a will and a way and a, an expertise and a, a real a competence in India that has to be leveraged. Now, we've t seen others uh, and heard others talk about the amazing growth of the Indian workforce and, and the need for, for quality as, as well as the numbers that are now going to straddle the globe. Um, do you have something to say on that? Be be because it is about training as well, isn't it? Yeah. Confidence, expertise. You can't innovate unless the underlying factors in the economy are right. No, you, you're right. Uh, but, but let's remember the, there's huge quality to start with. Yes, uh, the expertise is perhaps somewhat limited um, in terms of the, the very, very strong elite uh, educational system around the IITs and IMs that has been a, a very important catalyst for for, for um, India showing the, the, the quality, for example, in the software business around um, CMM levels of, of, of uh, quality. CMM uh, levels? Sorry. Um, cap um, capability maturity models, which, which show a level five, for example, the most number of uh, firms uh, in the world that can boast this level of quality. Now, that's been a very good starting base. But as you say, as the, the, the immense growth is required uh, of the workforce, there's been a lot of work done on accreditation and training within India uh, to try and ensure that certain business functions, for example, even things that are not that um, um, innovative around call centers can get the right level of quality. Uh, you'd be surprised. It's almost sometimes up to 100 applicants to one position to try and sift out and get that, that, that quality level. And so what firms have been doing in India a lot is to start uh, a lot of training and accreditation. 
Um, they're, they're not yet there in some areas, but there is the right uh, drive and desire to reach there. In the IT industry, for example, NASCOM has been doing a wonderful job setting up institutional structures around training accreditation, uh, the safety and the reliability uh, and security of the businesses uh, so that firms can feel comfortable innovating and, and developing in India as a market. And so a, a firm's knowledge networks must be key to that because people copy, they emulate, and indeed they learn from one another. Yes, that's right. And it's interesting when you do that in an offshoring sense. If you think of innovating and terms such as open innovation, including using uh, offshoring as, as an example of doing that, a big challenge is how to bridge the knowledge, how to have brokers on different sides of, of the, the firm, which may have tentacles out in India, but also having Indians resident in the firms within the West wherever they're located, so as to allow for understanding of customer needs, because without that, Bonnie, one cannot innovate. And so there is this real reciprocal need to set up structures which are not only cost-driven and keeping costs low by doing everything over the wall, if you like, in India, but having a reciprocal local global knowledge network set up to properly innovate. So if you had to map out two things, one, the barriers to the growth of the Indian economy at the moment, and, and two, the factors that point to, to the fact it might emerge as a global leader even during a recession, what would they be? First of all, let's deal with the negative factors. Yes, well, you just touched on it. I think in the short term we're going to see a, a somewhat of a blip of the, the recession taking hold. Um, uh, the the policies by Obama makes are, are very sensible in terms of looking carefully at what can be done at work at home, but that will have repercussions for the, the choice and selection of activities and processes and, and strategic initiatives that are being done in India. So um, it's too early to, to speculate in detail, but I, but I really believe that there's um, that the, there's a lot of working through, which I have no doubt that Indians will have the confidence to work through as to how they, if you like, navigate through this particular recessionary climate. Um, the internal barriers, despite the great confidence and abilities that India has shown to move to the next level of innovation, it's not even so much the, the, the Indian, the Indian um, companies' barriers, but as much the, the mindsets within the Western managers that needs to to be uh, both convinced of through good operational performance, but also be willing to take the risk, not only looking at things that are invented within the company's uh, traditional Western walls, but the willingness to, to really um, find ways to help the Indian, the very able Indian um, businessmen and engineers to get under, uh, an understanding of customer needs to innovate that means a change of process, a change of, change of mindset, and a change of the organizational form of the contract by which they can work together. And the pointers to success, will India keep up its global lead? I think on the trend is absolutely clear that it will, yes. And, and as for the role of Judge Business School, Centre for India and Global Business, Dr. Michael Barrett, what do you think that role and importance will be in the future? Well, we've got to get out there, Bonnie, and we are finding out and working with key centers and companies in India, uh, whether it's my, myself, uh, I've been doing some work now with um, McKinsey on their productivity center 
in India, um, on the board of um, small consulting firms, looking at how is it that global talent can be leveraged within India uh, and with Western firms. So we've got to have a presence um, as much as we can. We've got to have researchers both hopefully perhaps over time in Indian institutions working with us as global research teams. We've got to have very good um, researchers and PhD students, a whole cluster of research activities working with people here in the city, uh, with the Cambridge Science Park around us. We've really got to think carefully about, again, knowledge networks and have very good global local networks of knowledge formed around India and India business and how we, that, that um, centre can really help leverage innovation. And of course the internet and a website is the ideal way to do it. Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're looking at, as we're doing now, many ways of new media to help facilitate and disseminate knowledge about what's going on to get mass collaboration around you know, um, Web 2.0 concepts such as wikis and blogs. These are all very, very important, but I emphasize at the beginning the, the, the need for us to be on the ground, linking that physical and, and, and online presence to really uh, build up momentum, legitimacy, trust, so that the, the partnerships that we can engender on the research and the knowledge dissemination are fruitful. Dr. Michael Barrett, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School, Centre for India and Global Business podcast series today. It's been fabulous talking to you. Thank you very much, Bonnie.